0: Hey, so here at Mountain Students, we believe everything rises and falls in the strength of our disciple makers and our process to connect students with them. My name is Chase, and this is episode three of the Mountain Students Team podcast. And with me today in this very interesting, I hope very insightful conversation is our young adults pastor, Gil Shelsby. The third, hi, <laughs> okay, you can do a little more weird, right? Gil Shelby the third, hello. <laughs> I didn't realize there was a K in hello. That's really uh, yeah. It's it yeah. must be a new thing you learn at Duke Divinity. I yes. guess
1: yes, yes. Yeah. Take some time to learn how to spell. I just learned, so I'm getting used to it. But you know,
0: <laughs> Gil, the, the can I just tell you like this is not planned, but like you are like an eighth grader when I met you Mm -hmm. and not only are we peers but like you're just someone who I just truly like I see so much wisdom in and someone who I admire the way you think and I also know all these stupid dumb stories about teenage Gil yeah (laughs) it's really it's a remarkable relationship it's really fun I think about with Julia too although I don't know I don't know her scary stories like I do yours but this is so fun to see Young folks doing this Christian thing and wrestling with it and persevering with it. Mm -hmm. Um, But before we get into this conversation, um, I have a question for you. You recently revealed to us that you were a beanie baby fanatic. Oh, yeah. And I'm just curious why did you stop playing with beanie babies?
1: Who said I stopped? (laughs) just you know i don't see you with beanie babies (laughs) no you don't often
0: talk about beanie babies
1: i don't and so i guess you're gonna find out i guess some of my my story with beanie babies but man i just think it was like the best toy of the 90s and early 2000s like there wasn't there wasn't anything like it
0: how did you play with your beanie babies
1: i just kind of it was more of a collector's thing you know okay so you you just looked at them but like i was like growing up as a little kid, you want to you want to be like a, the next NFL quarterback or whatever. You set them up, and you kind of you have like a little football game going. You got your beanie babies watching. It was more just kind of like you lined them up. They sat there. They did their thing. They didn't do a lot. Hmm. They're not like a yeah you know, so, slinky or whatever. When I was but, five,
0: so in 1995, to those leaders who I just offended, I'm sorry. Um, but my friend Casey, I'd go over to my friend Casey's house. He lived up the street, and we would take his blanket off his bed. And we would just ball it into a ball and throw it on the ground. And in an instant, in our five-year-old brains, that little crumbled up sheet became an ecosystem for Beanie Babies. Yeah, And we, for hours, would discern logically and irrationally, obviously, as five-year-olds, mm-hmm. which Beanie Baby lived where and how they interacted and how they yeah. got their food and survived. They could be
1: anything. They could be the president. They could be.
0: There were sometimes there was a president. Yeah. Yes, that's true. You gotta have a
1: president. I mean, you can't just have anarchy amongst your Beanie Babies. You know? I mean,
0: unless you had like a Lord of the Flies situation. Sure. Which, which
1: again, you could. Yeah. That's the beauty of Beanie Babies, you guys. Especially There's when babies. you have a
0: fly Beanie Baby.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that there was actually a fly? There probably so, was. They had surely. Like, yeah.
1: Yeah, they had like obscure <clears throat> animals. Um,
0: there it is. Get to know Gil. There it is. Beanie, baby Beanie babies are great. Aficionado. Yeah, that's Gil. Shells the third.
1: Some people will try to tell you that Beanie Babies are a thing of the past. I'm here <clears> to tell <throat> you they're just as relevant today as they've ever been. So,
0: in fact, when Jesus went to the cross, he um no nope. he once said oh wait wait no <laughs> nope, no no no. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> not- <laughs> <laughs> I have come to seek and save what is lost. And I lost a lot of beanie babies, you know. Uh, Okay. Let's just, you know, before I get fired from my job (laughs) and before no one um, thinks that you're worth a darn, let's just move on. Um, So today's (laughs) conversation, as much fun as we're having here, uh, today's conversation is a very interesting conversation. And and I'm just going to maybe preface this by saying, I have no idea if this is going to be helpful in some ways, but like at the same time, like this is going to be a very rich conversation because, um, while much of what we've discussed in this podcast so far has been very, um, tactile and very just like, I can see this, I can feel this. I'm going to take this home. Like it's something that I can be resourced with. Today's conversation is going to be more in like the 20,000 foot view Mm -hmm. of, Today's culture, and, and the way that I've defined this conversation, the way I titled it on my notes is How do you find God's voice in the plurality of culture? And so, in this conversation, we want to ask some questions about the kind of culture we live in. Um, you know, or let me say it this way we want to ask questions about the type of culture that our students are a part of the kind of culture that they're being raised in um, and really just seek to try to understand where they're at in our culture. Um, Because I don't know if a leader has thought about this before, because I know I do, and I'm only 33. I look at teenage culture today. I'm just like, what is going on? why is this happening? I don't understand. (laughs) And so um, there's going to be some words today we're going to throw out that I hope will be helpful. I know it might be a little heady, but I do think that if you engage in this with us, uh, you're going to walk away with some thoughts on today's culture that I hope are not just how to understand TikTok? Like that's not what we're going for. Instead, like let's really peel the onion layers back and really observe the core of what's going on in culture. So to do that, let's maybe do some history, some history study. And this will all turn it over to you, Gil, for a little bit to just start data mining your, your brain. And um, let's talk about culture as we've seen it in the past hundred years. <sighs> because um, you're you know, our resident
1: expert oh, what do yeah. you realize it or not if that's the case we're um, in trouble <laughs> if, if we are we are in a lot of trouble um so yeah um, i you know i know that everyone clicked on this podcast because they really just wanted a history lesson in philosophy that's really why they clicked on right yes yes yes, yes. That's right.
0: i can think of a couple <laughs> who are very excited for this um so walk us through some of this transition, you know, in the in the twentieth century, you know, the eighteenth century we have this industrial revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, the nineteenth century we have this industrial revolution. The twentieth century we have world wars and um, a post enlightenment sort of up up uproaring of just like, what is this life supposed to look like? Like, is this really all there is to life? And I'm oversimplifying it, but I'll let you take it away. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's start having this conversation.
1: Yeah. You know, it's important to look back and kind of uh, think about what's led you to kind of the cultural moment that you're in. Um, yeah. I don't know. People will talk a lot. You might hear the word postmodern a lot. People kind of throw that term around. Um, and it really just means like, we're in the world, postmodern world, meaning like post meaning after, and modern meaning modern, meaning we're like in the world after the You're modern world. You're off
0: to a great start, by the way. Does that make this, sense? Yes, okay. this is wonderful. Okay. I love you. this, I love this. Uh,
1: so what does that mean? Basically, uh, the modern world was like this big, long project. People kind of, you know, scholars debate on when it started, really. I mean, you can, you can say it started in the 16th century or the 15th century, but this long, Which long, that would long, have
0: been enlightenment period, right?
1: Yeah. 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 Even probably even before the enlightenment started all the way through the enlightenment kind of leading up to the middle of the last century. So um, this long, long project of human progress and chasing after um, just like the full potential of human freedom and human dignity and progress. So you think about like the progressive age, maybe like you said at the end of like the 18th or the 19th century um, was this time where it was like every country and religion and all this stuff was trying to promise utopia in a lot of ways, right? Like the fullest expression of human goodness and human freedom and dignity and justice and all of those things. And so um, at the turn of the 20th century, you can tell me to shut up if you, this is getting Oh, keep boring. going, keep going. Um, the turn of 20th century, you have like all these countries basically in the world, like promising that in the name of whatever their ethnicity or their their tribe or their nation is. And so um, at the turn of the century, you have that exact thing. And it kind of comes to a head at the end in the middle of the 20th century, which is like the main example being Nazi Germany. You have this this rise of like technological advancement, like humanities, they had all the books in the world, all the mm. theology books and um, humanities books and history books, just uh, immense knowledge and power and technology and it all reaches this point where that technology is used to do like some of the worst stuff we've ever seen, right? Just hurt a lot, a lot yeah. of people. And so it kind of reaches this point where there's a whole generation that's now looking back on a generation that has promised justice and freedom and goodness, and yet has used that to do horrible, horrible things. And so you have basically a movement against modernity. So you have that, that's the modern world. If that's that big project kind of leading up to, this is gonna promise us the world we wanna live in. And there's kind of this rejection of that. So you think about like the 50s and 60s were this time of we need to go back and rethink the modern world. Like it just didn't bring us where we wanted to. It led us with the Holocaust and all these human atrocities. Yeah. So we need to rethink the traditions and the nations and all the stuff that we're a part of to see if it's legit. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It makes sense. And, and even thinking about American history in that century, right. Yeah. I mean, we got, you know, America probably being the first country that we know of that was very keen on being, you know, very pluralistic and its approach to whoever can be in our country can be in our country, mm-hmm. you know. So I think all of human history. You can correct me if I'm wrong. I, I can't think of a civilization that was like welcoming towards other people being in there. You know, think of the Greeks, the Romans. They conquered mm-hmm. and enslaved. Um, and yes, part of our history too is is enslavement. But um, people could still come to our country and with the promise of hope, the promise of economic opportunity. Mm -hmm. Um, And with that freedom for religion, freedom for all these, so like, there's like this probably American pride happening at the same time, Mm -hmm. and obviously World War I, World War II, were key players in helping those things topple. And so in some ways, like, America is probably seen as in a lot of ways, maybe some of that idealistic sort of utopia of like, hey, this is the perfect country, right? This is the right place to be. Um, I can see that maybe getting construed into this conversation as well. Yeah. Um, and then like you said, like in the fifties and sixties, the response to that is it's like, well, hold on time out.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. We're living in like, I grew up, I was born in 96. So Uh-oh. I grew up in a really similar time to like <clears throat> the 1960s. If you're, if you're my age or younger, like you grew up after nine 11 and you were a kid during like the recession, uh, COVID, racial division, political division, all this stuff of the last six years. Like, if you're a young person, you're looking out at your world and you're like, man, like all these things that I thought were good and promised freedom and justice and all these things, I'm starting to rethink that. Like, I don't know. That's if you grew up in the years that I grew up in, that's like a similar kind of cultural moment if you think about it to like the, the 50s or 60s or whatever. So,
0: yeah. So, the 50s to 60s, you have the response to the Vietnam War, the Korean War. Yeah sexual revolution of the sixties. Um, and really this, you know, I know I think part of our conversation too, probably needs to be about media itself because you know, what is culture at its, at its essence culture as essence is like a society's view of what is, what is truth and what is experience. And for all of history so far, culture was seen in the arts and architecture and later on in science and study, um, you know, and music and plays and paintings. And in some ways, one person, one, one society's experience of that is just one society's experience of that. Mm -hmm. But once you get into the 20th century and you start to see these technological advancements and the mixture of cultures and the mixture of, well, we can probably say someone's experience or someone's truth. All of a sudden there becomes this plurality of like what truth could be that you actually now have access to discover mm-hmm. Like you don't do a mission trip or you don't do a vacation to, to experience a culture. Like, no, that person just lives down the road from me mm-hmm. and their entertainment is now on my TV mm-hmm. or I see their social media account. If you want to go into the 21st century, now their social media account is The thing that i'm witnessing and seeing as part of their experience and you know in some ways what society and what culture becomes is this massive plurality of lived experience that anyone can probably say is true Mm -hmm. and true to them Mm -hmm. and this is probably where a lot of buzz phrases come through our minds as older me, uh, kind of a middle slash older millennial to our gen Xers is like, well, this generation just believes that your truth is my truth and blah, blah, blah. So, well, that is true. Um, but that is true because of our response to what culture and society has done. And now what we've seen happen in our society around us. Does that make sense? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I like to think about it like a, uh, Like we've ended up in a world where like there's no big story, you know? Like we all have kind of our own story. Like Hmm. if the modern world was this time where there was one big story that we were all chasing together and working together on and then it fell apart, what you have in like the postmodern world or whatever where we're living is we need to deconstruct those stories, kind of take them apart. And then what we're left with is really a world with no story except for... The story we choose for ourselves when mm-hmm. we don't have a story and so um that's like the most compelling thing for a lot of young people is really the only option now to be a part of something is i'm going to carve out my own path in the world and make my life great yeah. um and i don't know for me for me this leads to, to disappointment a lot but I, that's the way i think about it, almost like it's this world where we're not we're not a part of some larger grand narrative that's headed somewhere, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah. In this, I don't want to say a culture war. I was thinking about this on the drive over here to Gil. I don't think that, you know, when I think about culture and when I think about culture and Christianity in particular, um, ever since the 400s, You know, when Christianity was kind of deemed legal for the first time and really began to overtake the ancient world, um, so much of culture was based in Christian thought and Christian ethic, Mm -hmm. Um, Christian architecture. Architecture was driven by the Christian perspective and just trying to seek beauty in the things that we design You know, we have things like the Sistine Chapel, we have just these beautiful cathedrals all over the Middle East and in ancient Europe. And, you know, for whatever reason, for reasons that I don't know about um, fully well, you know, in the past 400 years, there's been a slow escape of Christian influence from culture. I think part of that is probably to do with more fundamentalism belief that, you know, we need to keep ourselves set apart and holy. And so let's step away from these places. And so when when Christians step out of culture the past couple hundred years, well, then who's going to take that place? Mm -hmm. What stories are going to take the place of the Christian story that's been trying to guide culture and society for almost 2,000 years? Um, You know, and now all of a sudden we have a lot of folks who are like, you know what, we want to you know, be in the world but not of the world. Like we don't want to win the culture wars here. And I might agree with I don't want to win the culture war, but in some ways I want to find ways that the Christian story is told in our culture mm-hmm. that is true and that is authentic and that is real. But it seems really difficult to do that. I mean just go to TikTok, go to Instagram and just type in Christian. <laughs> and enjoy the hour knows, of your life yeah. of of the roller coaster ride that's going to be someone's experience with Christianity yeah. in some way that was abusive or manipulative or someone who was hashtag ex Christian or ex evangelical. Um, you know, I've been seeing because we're doing a series coming up where we're using TikTok, and so I've been in these videos, and I came across this girl creator who just what a beautiful musician. Just she, her voice is lovely. Her piano playing is great, but she is rewriting hymns to share about her journey of leaving the church. And it's breaking my heart to listening to these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just, I think about the culture that our students are coming up in. And I think that maybe there's a punchline to this that maybe you can speak to is like, this is also the culture that we're in. Mm-hmm. Like, we can't, I don't think that it's fair to say that our students are growing up in this culture. Mm-hmm. I think it's right. But I also think that it's like, well, and now we're there. Mm-hmm. Like, th- we can't escape this culture.
1: Yeah. You know, it's interesting. It's like we tend to think about when we talk about leading young people, we tend to think about, Culture and like whatever world we're living in, in like negative terms, a lot. Yeah. Like this culture is out to get us, these or kids, it's these ruining these things. kids, it's brainwashing them, or whatever it yeah. is. Um, when the reality is, like all this stuff, all these cultural movements that we just talked about that are like a hundred years down the line, like it's not like this evil force is out to get us. It's actually just a way to describe like the world we're living in. Yeah. Like you said, there's no escaping the world that we're in right yeah. now like if you want to if you want to turn back the clock on the world we're living in you have to go back like 80 years you're like eighty two, eighty 80 years too late to to turn the tides <laughs> of history <laughs> unfortunately so yeah. like this is where we are it's just like the reality we're <clears throat> living in so i think that's yeah i think that's a good point
0: yeah so so let me ask you this because you're you know we're in a unique time in ministry uh students and young adults it's all the same generation Mm -hmm. just there's older and there's elder or there's elder and there's younger sorry um but it's all still gen z um, so while you're working with and mainly ministering to those who are older, um, we're, we're, we're stagging the 11 and 12 year olds who are still no Gen Z and Gen Alpha is on the way apparently. So they're like in fourth or fifth grade right those now. So ones, yeah. we have to, we have to start thinking about them a little bit more in the next couple of years, but for Gen Z, yeah.
1: someone else's uh, job.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's mine. It <laughs> is. <laughs> it is. It is our job. It's, it's, <laughs> it'll be your job in 10 years. Um, but with that to say, um, if we're if this is the culture that we're in, um, you know, there's you know there's things that we have said that already in this podcast that probably are like you know maybe in some ways alarming, in some ways shocking. Um, but I think it's true. Like we don't need to be of our culture, uh, but we need to understand it and embrace it mm-hmm. um, because this is where our students are too, and this is where they're at. Mm-hmm. Like this is where they are. And so I almost in some ways want this conversation to be like a, hey, let's just like find ways to love this culture mm-hmm. and not be, you know, I don't want, you know, I'm never going to be a general Zer. I am just like a, I am a tried and true millennial type, like almost to the core definition wise. Um, and I've caught myself saying like, oh, this generation. <laughs> yeah. So I want to find ways to love it. And I want to find ways to find just the, You know, I think that we all would probably say, like, I want to find ways for my students to see Jesus in the plurality of this. And so I'm just curious, like, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the things that we talked about before we began is like we want to frame up the story of God in a way that accommodates Mm -hmm. the postmodern perspective in Mm -hmm. some ways. And a lot of what you're thinking about is folks who have maybe done some of the deconstructive work for themselves and Mm -hmm. um, or and some who just, you know, they've gone through it and they're fine. And some who have no idea what Jesus is. And so like, when you think about in your seat, um, how do I frame up a postmodern understanding of what the story of God is? You said earlier, beautifully, like there's no story anymore. There's just everyone's story and everyone's story equals no story because if everyone's got this unique spot, um, where does truth live? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. First of all, I just want to say like, that's a really beautiful way to frame up, a conversation for like the people who are leading students right now that we could sit here all day long and be as fearful and anxious about the future of our young people Mm -hmm. as possible. But like to take these things seriously and wrestle with them well, but then also to say like, we're not just going to sit here and wallow in our anxiety over where the culture is at. But like, we're actually pretty hopeful that, this generation is gonna take the keys to whatever the church is gonna be in 10, 15, 20 years. So like, let's lean in and and meet them where they're at, listen to them, teach them the Mm -hmm. things Jesus taught us. And like, I don't know, I think that's a really cool, that's a cool way to frame up the conversation. I really, I really appreciate that. Um, Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the story thing. Um, The postmodern world is one where there's like no story or like many, many competing stories maybe to the point where it's like, it's hard to recognize truth. Um, That's especially the case for young people um, you know, I think like people my age and younger really don't have as much of a sense of where this culture came from. Like all the stuff we just talked about, it's rare to for young people to have a full understanding of like the long tradition that they're a part of or yeah. what's made them the kind of people they are, as well as like, if there's no grand story for you, you're not really gonna have much of a sense of what the future holds. Right, so we have like people talk all the time about how hopelessness is kind of on the rise. Um, I think I would suggest maybe this is one of the contributing factors is like there's no story pointing us toward the future. Uh, so when that happens, I mean that that leads that can lead anyone into a place of of hopelessness. Um, but the beauty is like the gift that we have to give young people is we're a part of like the most beautiful and compelling story of all time. Um that stretches back centuries like backwards. If you look in your past, you're a part of like a long, beautiful, ancient tradition of people that have like wrestled with all the stuff you've wrestled with, uh, worked through it and passed it down through the ages. Like we're kind of the product of that when we talk about the Christian tradition, uh, as well as like, it's a story that points way beyond into the future. Like it's got, it's got like a something called hope that we have. And we get to point to like, if you're a Jesus follower and you're trying to figure out where to lead your people, uh, you have an ending to the story to point to. Like the story scripture tells is one that ends with God restoring all things. Like I think of first Corinthians 15, where it says Christ is gonna be all and in all. It's just this this story where God gets his way and things are made right. Um, And we get the privilege of like pointing people to that story to say like things are going to be okay in the end, like God's going to get his way. I think that's, that's the thing for me that kind of keeps me going is like, it's a story that moves beyond just the little moment we're in. We don't have to get all stressed out and bogged down about where we're at, but it's a story that points to a really beautiful ending. So I don't know if that's helpful, but.
0: Recent history might say shame on the church for X, Y, and Z.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And some of that's accurate. So that's fair critique. Yeah. You know, we need to acknowledge that and be like real with that and not just pushed under the rug. Um, but can we just go back to the history of the whole church for a minute and just think about
1: all of mm-hmm. the stuff
0: sometimes like, especially like when you're following the way of Jesus is like, the way have Jesus is not about you. Mm-hmm. Like the way of Jesus is like you entering into something. Mm-hmm. That is like so much bigger, so much you. bigger than you. And, like, yeah. and so it's funny because we were in this conversation literally like about an hour ago. Um, but it's the words. There's like, like you, you want to tell that history. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe I can ask you something off the cuff. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, I know for me growing up, finding God's voice was done you know through a lot of question asking of people older than me we don't live in a culture where a student thinks (laughs) about i'm going to ask this person who i respect to admire Mm -hmm. So i'm going to go no it's instead it's i'm going to go to youtube university and like figure this out for myself Mm -hmm. i'm going to watch 10 different videos from like five different points of view. I'm going to come up to this realization No, we were doing a, so for instance, we were doing the let's talk about sex panel a few weeks ago at Abingdon and where we had just a panel of adults on the stage who were, you know, most of them staff members uh, at the campus and small group leaders, some young, some older. And I was on the panel and um, our Abingdon campus pastor Kristen, she reads this question that just says, why should I listen to you guys about this topic? (laughs) I love it. It's the most most Gen Z question ever. I'm like, why should I listen to you? That's good. It's like a little sneak peek of what my kids are going to say to me in about five years. Like why should I listen to you? (laughs) But at the same time, like it's such a beautiful illustration of just like where our culture is, is like, this is the first generation that doesn't go to authority figures for advice.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. They don't do it. Yeah
0: did you so what when you were a teenager like what did you do did you go to your parents did you i mean but you had i mean obviously like a little bit of advantage here for gilbert because his dad's an elder although that doesn't always mean that every kid's gonna be awesome and beautiful when their parents are involved in the church but um what was that like for you growing up like were you uh did you go and seek the advice of people or did you go and just try to figure out? yeah
1: yeah i mean so interesting it's like absolutely i would say like the people who made me who i am are my group leaders my my parents like people here i mean i grew up around here so there's there's no shortage of like sure. amazing people that foreign means the person i am and so i'm, shout I'm out grateful for current
0: that group leaders you're amazing
1: yes shout you out
0: not shut them out shout them
1: out not shut them out no we're, we're shouting we're shouting them. let's be clear we're shouting them out yeah. yes
0: from the rooftops
1: yes shout out from the rooftops uh yeah, you know, it's interesting, you mentioned this like 15 years ago or even 20 years ago and definitely before that, you just, you know, pastors would get up and they would speak and people would be like, yes, yes, yes sir. sir, amen. <laughs> you know, whatever they say, it was like, that. yeah, you're the man, man or woman with the word of God and you're bringing it and we submit to it and that's that. Uh, we are just no longer in that time. Uh, when they hear anything from a stage immediately they're they're going to be skeptical of it um so that's kind of where we're at we, we no longer live we no longer live in a culture that accepts the authority of like a pastor people are less and less are knowing what pastors are or group leaders yeah. are and why they matter so yeah. i don't know so Makes us- a big brother big sister <laughs> you-
0: yeah a mentor
1: <laughs> yeah mentor
0: um <laughs> which i don't know what is a group leader it's all those things it's yeah. pastor it's sometimes mom and dad and sometimes brother sister it's sometimes tutor it's sometimes you know emotional coach sometimes spiritual director mm-hmm. it's a big task um so finding god's voice in a culture let's maybe let's land the plane on this i hope not fully ambiguous conversation um without order or direction i hope that it's been helpful <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I know in this it's this conversation is just like <laughs> <laughs> uh, hopefully it's been enlightening in some ways. Um, but I just, I want to get down to like to the root of it. Like, so if we're in this space, so let's define some of the things that we've said about this culture mm-hmm. that we all live in, not just our students, but we all live in. Um, it's overstimulating in every sense of the word from media to, um, what's good, what's right to what's truth, It's all overstimulating, it's so overpopulating. Um, this culture does, it tends not to regard traditional structures of, you know power as trustworthy. You know, we don't trust our government, we don't trust our churches. We don't trust big pharma, we don't trust big business, we don't trust anything. Our lack of trust in anything is fading. Um, We talked about this culture has issue with authority figures who traditionally are seen as people of influence, like pastors, Mm -hmm. um, spiritual directors. Um, This is what else we identify this culture as. We identify this culture as one who doesn't seek approval, instead tries to find its own Mm -hmm. unique voice in it. And so like when we're in this space, like how do we actually show students the real Jesus? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's the question on my mind in this conversation is like, I just want to, I just want students to find Jesus. Mm-hmm. What would you say?
1: Yeah, I have a couple of things. Obviously, there's so much to say. There's a couple of things that I think come to mind when I think about what we're doing with young people and why we're doing what we're doing like the stuff that keeps us in ministry, leading groups, doing this stuff, the reason we're sitting in this room even. Uh, the first thing I would say is like, we talked about this world with no story, right? Um, it has no sense of the future. Like the one thing I've been feeling a lot recently is like my, one of my main jobs when I lead young people is just to cultivate like an imagination for the kingdom in their minds, like cast a really compelling vision for the future. Like I went and I studied the Bible, I went to school, like I've been around church for a while and God's like spoken some amazing things to me. How do I pass that on to the next generation in the form of saying the future is gonna be okay? doesn't mean like your life is always gonna be okay, but like the story ends with God restoring the world. Uh, if we can cast like a really compelling vision of the future for young people, and they can latch onto that and find purpose in it, mm. man, dude, like anything is possible. So
0: if if mo- if modern culture was the pursuit of victory
1: mm-hmm.
0: over illness, over sickness, over heartache, over injustice that ultimately failed, mm-hmm. the Christian story is 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 what that is. Mm-hmm revelation you know there's been no sick there's no weeping there's no tears Mm -hmm. people enjoy endless joy and that is all right well our next sermon series is going to be on revelation here it is there you go settled (laughs) um sean get ready you're gonna have to oh my gosh oh yeah here we go yeah that's beautiful um
1: so that's one the other one is like and this is probably even more important is we talked about this even before we started but like we're in a time where young people are like desperately hungry for an authentic, real witness to truth. Like plenty of voices in their lives, on their phones, on their news channels, whatever, claiming some sort of truth. Not a lot of people living out that truth, if it's safe to say that maybe. A deep, desperate hunger for like an authentic witness to truth. And so, man, as a leader of young people, like it's kind of like a cliche, but like, the best sermon that they will ever hear is the one you preach with your life. Hmm. Like what you are leading them into is your walk with Jesus. And that's like very, very oversimplified, but like that's the one thing we have to hand young people and lead them into is a real witness to truth.
0: Hmm. I think, and I feel honestly super... um. I feel very convicted by that in some ways at the Mm -hmm. same time when I reflect on my life. And if you're at camps preview night in 2023 and I don't know when you're listening to this, but, um, you know, the sermon I preached was about the people in my life who Mm -hmm. like, I don't know where I would have been without them. And the same thing, I don't know where you would have been without your, your people. And it's not because they were perfect Christians, but they, probably showed up <laughs> mm-hmm. probably showed up in ways that matter like i i didn't learn what a true christian marriage looked like until i was invited to my youth pastor's house and i saw the way that he was a, a father and a husband um and just like well, this is very different from what i experienced in my house <laughs> and yeah. you know i didn't i didn't all these people who just showed up and just lived their life with authenticity and invited me into it and you know, if you're a group leader listening to this, like I hope you don't feel like the conviction like I do necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, um, if our best tool in this culture is just to represent Jesus as best we can with our life, I hope that um, I hope that reframes some of what this this role means for you as a difference maker here at Mountain, and that you know your life is your testimony
1: yeah yeah your witness to the you power of jesus yeah you don't have to be an expert on all the junk we just talked about like you don't have to have a master's degree in philosophy Lord or theology or whatever yeah yeah that's for sure right let's
0: just hope this was not all in vain all right <laughs> <laughs> at this point
1: yeah that's the beauty of it though is like what you have is your life to lead young people into. I think it's just amazing. I I read something, I'm doing some work for like volunteer stuff and was reading this stat. It says 83 it's a thing on relational authority. It says 83% of young people say they're more likely to take advice from someone who cares about them. Hmm. So like for all the abuses of authority and the fact that like young people don't accept the authority of a pastor or whatever, there is a there's like tremendous power in relational authority. When you gain it. And when you care for people well and love them. Like that's where, it's where God moves in some powerful ways. Yeah. So, um, there perhaps is more to say
0: here. Obviously there is, and there's maybe even more to try to try to unpack, even just from that moment that you just shared with us, Gil. But, um, let's maybe just say this as we wrap up. Um, if you're a group leader and you're listening to this and, um, you know, We encourage you to practice lead small principles for this reason. So we can build these, I've heard it said this way, so we can build relational bridges that are strong enough to withstand the truth that sometimes needs to be shared and said. And um, when we're able to be in a student's life, not just on a Wednesday, again, more than Wednesday, um, all these things we hope are helpful and letting you connect with your students. So, hey, uh, Gil, thank you. Thanks for being part of this. Thank you. <laughs> roller coaster of an experience. Um I hope this again serves all of our disciple makers very well. Um friends, what you do matters. Uh, who you are and who you are becoming in Christ is more important than what you do. Um if we're going to make disciples, we have to be disciples. I love that. So we each commit personally to walking the walk with Jesus, living out the mountain walk, uh, because everything rises and falls in the strength of our disciple makers and our process to connect students to them love you guys we'll see you on the next one peace